Hello, welcome back to this, the bonus part of today's FYI on cooking. And I'm so glad you guys joined us in the bonus part. We're going to take a look at a lot of vocabulary in this part, a lot of useful expressions, and I'm going to give you guys some tips. Now, I'm no expert, but I'm somebody who has been working in kitchens, uh, cooking in kitchens with my family. Uh, just even when I was growing up, I remember I would hang out in the kitchen just to see what was going on. And it reminds me of an idiomatic expression that we use in English. If you can't take the heat... Get out of the kitchen. Y esto significa, si no aguantas la presión, pues salte del juego, ¿no? Uh, in this case, heat in the United States, well, I guess in Britain too, heat is a synonym for pressure. So if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. I love this one. Es un poco relacionado con only the strong survive. Esto es solo apto para los duros. So, whether you like to cook, whether you don't like to cook, hopefully you'll learn so much. You'll learn tons of adjectives that you can use not only when you're cooking, but you can use them at a restaurant or at your next dinner party to compliment the chef. In fact, we say compliments to the chef. Es una de las expresiones que decimos. So let's take a look at flavors to get started. The first one is one I think is very common and I think most people know it. It's sweet. Que es dulce. And we don't only use it to talk about food. Think about the expression. Hogar, dulce hogar. Home, sweet home. Then we've got sour. And sour, what I'll do in each one is give you some examples of food that, uh, that are usually described using these adjectives. So, for example, sour. The first thing that comes to mind is a lemon, right? A lemon is sour or tangy. Es otra forma de decir ácido. Y si conocéis, hay una bebida de limón y de naranja que se llama tang. ¿Y por qué? Because it's tangy. It's sour. And I just want to remind you, we've got so many different adjectives, so I've decided to just highlight some of the most common ones. But, you know, you've got everything from fruity, afrutado, es as fácil, to nutty. What is nutty? Well, nutty is con sabor a nuez, right? Con sabor a fruto seco, nutty. Sometimes it's used to describe wine. And what about gamey? Me encanta este, gamey. If something is gamey, this is like wild boar, javali. Or I think you would say, no sé cómo lo decís, pero es algo que sabe a caza, right? Because game in este caza, in este caso, es Caza is preso. So, sabe a presa. I think I'm mixing up my words here a little bit in Spanish. But don't worry. If you have the PDFs, I always figure out the correct word when I'm doing those. And this way, I learn the correct word in Spanish. So, gamey. Yeah, anything like deer, venison. Because think about this, too. Deer is the animal, but the meat is venison. Pig is the animal, but we call the meat pork. So that's something to bear in mind as well. Another one, bitter. We use this one to describe people, like the one I used before, bland. Bland es comida, que es insípida, pero también una persona. 
sin chispa. Well, the same thing. If somebody is bitter, es amargado. And if you just think of that product, bitter gas, ¿a qué sabe? Yeah, of course, it's bitter. But another flavor that comes from that is bittersweet. Bittersweet. Y otra que no solo usamos en la cocina. Oh, man, finishing up this, this chapter of my life is bittersweet. So that means part of you is looking forward to it and part of you doesn't want it to end. It's not just used to describe food. Another one that's like that is spicy. Ooh, that's a spicy relationship. Or juicy. Sí, también. Picante, jugoso. So these are adjectives that you can take out of the kitchen and into the bedroom. Oh, yeah. But be careful with that spicy stuff because sometimes it can cause heartburn. And what is heartburn? Esto es eh, gracioso. Llamamos ardor de estómago, ardor de corazón. Porque, bueno, ¿dónde está? It's part of your digestive system, right? You're having indigestion. And you usually feel it, usually, where your heart is. So we call it heartburn. You can also call it acid indigestion. Or if it's more serious, which I used to suffer from, acid reflux. And, well, obviously, your diet has a lot to do with that. If you eat spicy food, well, you're going to have a little more acid in your stomach. If food is not spicy, we call it mild. So I always think of buffalo wings. In the United States, we have a scale. When you go into a restaurant, it's fun. They're like buffalo wings, mild. Mild is the, the least spicy. Then you've got spicy, extra spicy, atomic fireball. I mean, they get very creative with the names. But just so you know, if spicy stuff isn't your thing, look for the word mild the next time you look at a menu in the United States. Another one, salty. Now, I know you all know the word salt, que no se pronuncia salt, it's salt, salt. But if something is salty, it's a negative thing in English. So if you say this is salty, that means it has too much salt in it. If something is savory, that's how we would say it's not sweet. So see, si, por ejemplo, crepes, los crepes, ¿no? Tienes los dulces o los salados. If you say salty, a mí no me apetece. It doesn't sound appetizing at all to me. But if you say savory, I'm like, oh, so they're not Sweet. So be careful with those two. Salty, salado, malo. Savory, salado. Cuando lo comparamos con algo que es sweet. And I love this word too. The word is zesty. Zesty. Con una feta. And zesty is eh, ácido. Que tiene como eh, lemon zest. Sabor como que te abre los ojos. You know that when your eyes wince? That kind of feeling. Zesty. Zesty. Que cuando nos referiríamos a una persona, it's enérgico o animado. Are you a zesty person? Are you a spicy person? I hope you're not a bland person. Wait, are we talking about food here? Or are we talking about people? And we couldn't talk about food without talking about textures. And I know this very well. First-hand experience. A lot of the foods I don't eat or I don't like, and believe me, I've been called uh, very picky. 
Another way to say picky is fussy. Now, I don't consider myself picky or fussy, but if you ask my wife, she'll say, I am very fussy. And a lot of times, it's not that I don't like the flavor of the food, but I don't like the texture. I don't know, is this, is this just me? Do you guys, any of you who are listening, have that problem where you say, well, it's not that I don't like that food or don't think I like it, I don't like the texture of it. And I've realized a lot of the things I don't like are texture-based. The, the perfect example is mayonnaise, mayo. A lot of people love mayonnaise, and I love all the ingredients in mayonnaise. I love eggs, I love oil, you know, they're all foods I eat, but when you mix them all together and you come up with that consistency, I'm not into it. You get what I'm saying? Do you catch my drift? So let's take a look at some of these textures. The first one I'm thinking of is greasy. That one makes sense, right? If food's got a lot of grease, it's greasy. Makes sense. Graciento is the word in Spanish. We talk about creamy. A lot of times, uh, just talking about mayonnaise, creamy. That's one of those textures I don't like. Uh, another one is hearty, hearty. This is how we describe uh, copioso, no? Una, una comida abundante, a hearty meal. I think of lentils. I think of stews, as I said before, guisos. Another texture adjective is fluffy. You know what I think of with fluffy? I think of clouds. I think of marshmallows. That's right. <laughs> De hecho, en español llamáis marshmallows clouds. Well, that's the word. That's the adjective that we use to describe clouds. And that's the adjective we describe those kinds of foods with. So, creamy, hearty, fluffy. What about crispy? I know you guys know that one. Crispy right? You've all been to McDonald's. You've all tried the crispy chicken. And what happens? It's, it's crunchy. Oh, there's another one. So crispy and crunchy, which are both onomatopoeic. Here's the next one, which is a weird one because I never really know how to translate this one in Spanish. And the word is chewy. Now, this can be a good thing or a bad thing, because obviously if you have gummy bears, uh, these gummy bears, estos uh, gominolas, uh, well, these things are chewy, and that's good. They're supposed to be. But if you order squid, calamar, which, by the way, in the United States, we say calamari, usamos el plural en italiano. If you order calamari or squid and it's chewy, that's not a good thing. So, you know, some of these two can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what we're talking about. Another example of, of that is the word sour I taught you guys before. If milk is sour, se ha pasado de fecha. If your lemon is sour, that's okay. It's, you know, that's the idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? If your sour cream, crema agria, is sour, well, then that means you made it correctly. <laughs> You followed the recipe. Oh, and there's another thing. Do you guys follow recipes or do you kind of make it up as you go? Do you wing it? To wing it is improvisar. I've never followed a recipe in my life. <laughs> I swear to God. I don't follow recipes. I, I just get, of course, I get the ingredients and then I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll glance at it. But I, I kind of make it up in my own way. I don't know why, but I just feel like Maybe I'm a nonconformist, <laughs> even in the kitchen. <laughs> but again, 
you practice and you practice and say, oh, next time I'm not going to put as much oil in there. Oh, there's too much lemon or there's too much rosemary. Rosemary is Romero. We could do a whole episode just on spices. Hey, that's a good idea for an episode in the springtime. We'll do an episode on gardens and we can take a look at all the different spices from um, basil, albahaca to oregano to, well, the most common spices that are seen in most kitchens or most cupboards. And a cupboard, this is an interesting word because se escribe cupboard. But a cupboard, así se pronuncia, is where you put your dry goods. Your dry goods, las latas, las cosas que no hay que meter en la nevera. The things you don't have to put in the fridge. And we're going to look at more kitchen vocab in a bit because obviously there's so much to see in the kitchen. If you go into your kitchen right now, you can literally see about 200 things. Think about it. Coffee, um, the counter, the cabinets, everything that's in those cabinets and on those counters. And you can turn it into a countable versus uncountable lesson. Just open up your fridge and say, how many eggs are there? There are three eggs in the fridge. How much milk is there? There's a half a liter of milk in the fridge. And this way you're practicing identifying everything, which I think, honestly, if you have it in your house, you should know how to say it because that obviously means it's something that you like or enjoy. So any food, any anything that you enjoy, that would be the first thing I would learn in English. So next time I'm over there, I can tell people exactly what I want and how I want it. And if you guys remember, in our barbecue episode, we looked at that as well. How to order. Esto es muy importante. If you order a steak or a burger or any kind of meat, they'll ask you how you want it cooked. So just reviewing really quickly, you've got your scale from very raw, lo más crudo, to uh, cooked, well, <laughs> like the sole of a shoe. I mean, we all know that. When a steak is well done, <sighs> why bother? Ni te molestes. So let's go through the scale. It's rare, medium rare, medium, medium well, and well done. I usually order meat medium rare. Now, again, remember, every restaurant has their own chef who is an expert, and don't tell him what medium rare is. So, <laughs> again, that's something that uh, I always, my, my tip there, my, my trick, is always order it a little less cooked than you want it. So, if you normally get it medium rare, go for rare. Why? Because you can't uncook a steak. You can always cook it a little more. You can always put it, put it back on the grill. But once you go overboard, you can't come back. You get what I'm saying? That's a, a little trick I've noticed throughout the years. Because I've ordered steaks, medium rare, and I'm like, this is more like medium, almost medium well, you know? And instead of complaining and getting another steak, it's frustrating. You just eat it many times. At least myself, I hate complaining when I'm in a restaurant. I hate complaining in general. Sometimes you have to, but it's not my thing. I never feel comfortable complaining. All right, let's let's uh, let's continue with our texture words over here. So we said chewy. Gooey is another good one. Chewy and gooey, look, they rhyme. Gooey, gooey is viscoso. You know, something that's slimy, gooey. What do I think of when I think of something that's gooey? Honey is gooey, 
right? Juicy, we said before, great word. It's used to talk about meats that are very juicy, but also relationships or gossip that is juicy. The next one is sticky, which is pegajoso, a little bit different than catchy, which is pegadizo. Tender, there's another one we use to describe meat often. Tender, you know it from an Elvis song, Love me tender, tierno, right? Tender, again, used with humans. And the last one in our texture category is flaky, which is also used to describe humans. Now, flaky is something we would use to describe pastries, like uh, a croissant. A croissant is flaky because a flake is como una capa, no? Uh, so if it's flaky, it flakes apart and it comes off in little flakes. You probably know the word from corn flakes, no? Los copos de maíz. But if a person is flaky, you can't trust them. It's somebody that uh, says one thing and does another thing. Don't be flaky. Well, unless you're a pastry. <laughs> okay, that wasn't that funny. Now let's look at some useful kitchen vocabulary. We already looked at some words, counter and thimera, cabinets, which is pretty easy. But uh, what about uh, our utensils? You have a lot of utensils in the kitchen. You have forks, you have spoons, you have knives. And as we saw before, there are different kinds of knives. You've got a butter knife. In the intro, we looked at a carving knife, even spoons. You've got a teaspoon, you've got a tablespoon, a soup spoon, a serving spoon, creo que es self-explanatory, ¿no? El grande, la de cazuela para servir. A serving spoon, a spatula, ¿te suena? No lleva E delante, en inglés es spatula. Y la T y la U es como nature, future, spatula. A cutting board, sure, you don't want to cut your um, meat or, or your vegetables, whatever you're cutting, you don't want to cut them on the countertop. It's better to use a cutting board. Although some countertops now are made of material where you can cut. I don't have that high tech, but have you seen these kitchens? There are some kitchens that literally look like they're on a spaceship. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I've got the basics, you know, the spatula, the whisk. A whisk is what we use when we're whipping cream or we're beating eggs. So there are some more kitchen vocabulary to beat the eggs, batir los huevos, right? If you're making scrambled eggs, you have to beat the eggs and you would use a whisk. So these are some of the basic ones. Obviously, there are hundreds of different kitchen utensils. I mean, you can consider a can opener a kitchen utensil as well. And don't forget about pots and pans and trays that go in the oven. I mean, we could do a whole class just walking around the kitchen. Hey, wait, that gives me an idea for your next monthly greeting. <laughs> and now I'd like to take a look at some common kitchen or cooking idioms. We looked at a few already all throughout the show. We looked at if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen or get out of the kitchen. Another one is to have something or to put something on the back burner. Now the burner is el fogón. And if you put 
something on the back burner, you make it less of a priority for you. So maybe it was a priority, but now you have bigger fish to fry. Y ahí tienes otro. Tengo peces más gordos que freír. Que tengo problemas más graves. The next one is a flash in the pan. If something is a flash in the pan, it's something that was disappointing. Something that was quick, you know, it was successful, but it never really went anywhere. So I'm thinking of those pet rocks. ¿Te acuerdas? Tenían, ten una mascota, que es una roca. That was a flash in the pan. It was an idea that looked good for a second. It was funny. It was a novelty, but it never went anywhere. It's what we would call a half-baked idea. And a half-baked idea, medio horneado. Vamos, que no lo has terminado, no lo has pensado bien. A half-baked idea, which happens sometimes when you have too much on your plate. <laughs> Estoy intentando vincular todas las expresiones. When you have too much on your plate, tienes demasiadas cosas entre manos. Cuando vienes a decir, oh, es que estoy por todos lados. Tengo, I've got the gym and then I've got my English class. I've got a lot on my plate. Another one, to grill. Now, I know you know this one. You're thinking, Alberto, come on. I, I know this one. Poner algo a la parrilla. To grill something. But what if we say to grill someone? Does that mean you're a cannibal? No. If you grill someone, you ask them a lot of questions. You're saying, and where were you? And what time? Are you grilling me? I think of the Spanish Inquisition. They used to grill people. Yeah, you could definitely find a joke in there. The next one is to stir the pot. We looked at that word before, the false friend, to stir, remover. So to stir the pot? Remover las cosas, pero de forma negativa. So if your boss says, hey, listen, I know what's going on. Stop stirring the pot. Deja de remover las cosas. And another one. It's no use crying over spilt milk. No vale la pena llorar sobre leche derramado, que se ha tirado. It's a good word to know, too, to spill something. We don't throw our drinks unless we're violent people. Sometimes you spill your drink, though, to spill. Tirar sin querer. Great word to know uh, for kitchens and cooking. So it's no use crying over spilt milk. Literally means like, lo que pasó, pasó. Entre tú y yo, lo que pasó. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I broke into song. So, eso es agua pasada. It's no use crying over spilt milk. And another three idioms. And remember, what I usually do here, guys, on the show is choose the most common ones. I looked at about three or four different pages that had kitchen and restaurant and cooking idioms, and I've hand-picked, I've cherry-picked, ves, esa ha sido sin querer, elegir, escoger a mano, I have cherry-picked the best ones. This one is great. Too many cooks spoil the broth. O sea, demasiados haciendo el proyecto eh, joden el caldo, right? They spoil the broth. O sea, demasiadas opiniones, demasiadas manos a la obra, and in the end, everybody giving their opinion, and nothing gets done. This one, you might have something similar. It has to do with a pot. A watched pot never boils. Una olla 
que estás vigilando, que estás mirando detenidamente, no hierve. It doesn't boil, which means if you're waiting for something to happen, it seems like it takes an eternity. So, folks, there it is. Some of my favorite idiomatic expressions. And I'm going to give you a few more things before we go. And those are my kitchen hacks. Now, I know you know the word hack, the internet, no meterte ilegalmente en algún sitio. But also a hack is un truquito. Estas cositas que nos hacen la vida más fáciles. Things that I've learned throughout my years standing in the kitchen, watching my grandma, and eventually helping my grandma's cook as well. Rule number one, always preheat. Yeah, eso es. Don't ever put a piece of fish or chicken or anything in a cold pan or in a cold oven. You gotta preheat. Why? Well, temperature is so important when you're cooking, which is another reason you should take your meat out of the fridge before you cook it. And I don't mean five minutes. Take it out so that it's room temperature. And room temperature is como decimos temperatura del ambiente. These are little tricks, but even with eggs, algo tan fácil como huevos fritos. If you take it out of the fridge 20, 30 minutes before and just put it on the counter, it's going to taste a lot better than if it were cold. And the same thing happens with meat. So temperature is important. Absolutely. Timing. Uh, timing something I think is even more important than temperature because you can adjust the temperature. But once your timing is off, your fries are going to get soggy. Uh, soggy is estas patatas que uh, son, no son duras, right? They're soggy. So you got to make sure everything comes out and, you know, at the right time and, and that you don't have something waiting there for something else. That's very important in a restaurant, not only at home. And another one, clean as you go. To clean as you go is literally just something I think helps me because the last thing I want is to look at a pile of dishes after cooking for two hours. So if you clean as you go, this is something, again, my grandmothers both taught me, you, your kitchen won't be so messy when you're done cooking and you'll be able to enjoy the meal even more. Another rule, don't be afraid to experiment, which is a rule, which that does, la regla es eh, algo que no suena a regla. Yeah, you're free. There are no rules. That's the rule. There are no rules. Experiment. Be creative. What's the worst that could happen? It tastes bad. What do you do? Well, order a pizza. Game over. Lesson learned. Make it again. Try it again. If you really want to do it, try, try, try until you get it right. I mean, we can apply the same expression we apply to English. Practice makes perfect. And that's what it all boils down to. Y se reduce a eso. It all boils down to practicing and trying over and over again until you get it right. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of FYI.